we're going to this afternoon continue our two-part series on the book of Ecclesiastes. But in connection to the chapter that I hope to read from Ecclesiastes, I want to open the Bible to the gospel according to John again, John chapter 20. And we're going just to read two verses there. A kind of a summary statement of the whole of Jesus' ministry and work. So John chapter 20, verse 30. There we read. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's also our prayer for those who are going to profess their faith today, that they will have life enduring life in his name. Well, let's open our Bibles again to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're going to begin at verse 7. Ecclesiastes 11, beginning at verse 7. There we find these words, Truly the light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet, not, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Chapter 12, remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the days the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are dark are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down. When the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low. When one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourner goes about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loose or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well, when the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. This is the word of the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have here this morning a passage, or this afternoon, a passage that speaks about the breakdown, the dissolution of the body when the silver cord is broken and the glass is shattered and the spirit returns to the one who made it. It's a heavy text. And, and as I was reading, writing this sermon, I was thinking, again, maybe in connection to the law this morning, about those conversations you have with people who are about to see that happen, who are about to die. And I was wondering again, what characterizes those conversations 
those last conversations you have with the loved one, if you're given the opportunity before they die. I think you would agree with me that you don't waste your words. You don't talk about what is frivolous, about what is not consequential. You talk about what's eternal, what's important. And at the heart of those conversations as Christians, and I hope this is the case for each one of you, if you're ever in that position, that you focus primarily on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why we're here. That's why those four young people are here. That's why they're about to finish, profess their faith, because they're going to profess their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, who rose again. He is their only hope as they move from this life into the next. That's why those conversations are so important. Because the conversations are actually addressing the final reality of this life. And the final reality of this life is this. Are you prepared to meet the one who came for you? To rescue you from sin and from eternal death. Are you prepared to meet him? As you close your eyes to this world and open them in the next, are you prepared to meet the kind, the holy, and the awesome king of this universe? This is a question for you four, and this is a question for all of us this afternoon. And in connection to that question, I want to have three reality checks that we need to test ourselves with this afternoon. And the first reality check is this. Are you enjoying God's good gifts today? In light of eternity, in light of what is to come, are you still enjoying what God has given you today? Are you, as they say in Latin, carpe diem? Are you seizing the day? We'll begin there. Because this teacher, as he is speaking about the breakdown of the body, we get the sense that he is speaking about something that he is beginning to experience. He is in the twilight years of his life. But he's not just speaking to octogenarians, to people who are above 80 years old. He's actually addressing the youth. You young people among us this afternoon. Are you ready to meet your creator? You know, there's different ways to approach um, death. And, and society has found many different ways to do that. But one of the two ways that I want to address this afternoon, and I'm not going to address them much, but just to give you a context for the world that we live in, one way in approaching this reality that we're going to die is to become bitter. It's just to see all the problems in this life and, and, to, and to become kind of cantankerous and, and not pleasant to be around. And, and so they make movies like Grumpy Old Men, people who are cantankerous as they grow old. Because they're not ready really to meet their savior. There's no joy in that for them. But that's not the common cultural narrative. Actually, the more common cultural narrative is to ignore the reality of your death. To kind of walk backwards into your own grave, acting as if it's never going to happen to you. That's more normal. And so we have these songs about praising youth and desiring to be young. And we spend millions, even hundreds of billions of dollars on the cosmetic industry, on liposuction and on different things to change your face so that you can look beautiful until you die. So there's either bitterness or there's denial. And Solomon takes another option for us this afternoon. A better option. We don't deny the grave, and we're not going to be bitter about it. We're going to be prepared for it. That's what we're going to do. Are you prepared to meet your maker? 
And so he does this, calling out for preparedness, and it begins with this first reality check. Are you enjoying in the present life, knowing that you're going to die, enjoying God's good gifts today? He begins there in verse 7. He says this, Truly the light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. Would you agree? Just don't look at it right now. But it's still pleasant, isn't it? Here comes the sun, we sing, and it's going to be all right. They say the most precious gold on, the, in, on earth is the sun. And some of us would agree. There's something so precious about enjoying the sun, even if it's beating down on you this afternoon. But then he adds in verse 9, he continues on with this theme of enjoying the good gifts that God has given, his, given you. He says, rejoice, O young man, you can I say daughter as well, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Verse 10, therefore remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. He's saying, enjoy the moment. Relish your youth. It's okay. You don't know how good you have it until you've lost it. In fact, youthfulness is lost on youth because they don't realize how much they have. It's not until you get older that you realize, wow, now I'm encumbered by all this pain and suffering. I didn't know how good I had it when I was a young person. So he's saying, enjoy it. He's saying carpe diem. Because life is a gift from God. And though this, on this side of eternity, it might be very short. It might be even vanity, meaningless, vaporous. It's still a gift to be enjoyed. So I ask you this afternoon, are you enjoying the gifts that God has given you? The light, the rain, the sun, the, the moon, the, the stars, the, the environment, the smell, everything that you have around you. Are you, are you drinking those in and with great enjoyment? It's good to do that. But then you say, doesn't the teacher drop the gauntlet on all this joy by saying, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment in verse 9? Isn't he saying, you know, enjoy all these things, but but there's judgment facing you. I think the teacher is saying two things there that we just need to unpack just briefly this afternoon. The first thing that he is saying is that there is such a sin as joylessness before the Lord. There is such a thing as taking all these good gifts that God has given you, the gift of life, the gift of family, the gift of the sun, the gift of the moon, the gift of the lakes up here, whatever the case may be, and, and act as if God has slighted you. As if God has withhold his blessings from you. That it's actually not that good. You know, this is the first sin of Adam and Eve. You know that? The paradise of God was lost on them. And they felt that God somehow had slighted them. That God was withholding good from them. And, 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 and they became arrogant and proud. And they, and they were captivated by the lie of the devil. That if they did one more thing, they would actually find true life. And so they ate the fruit and because they wanted to become like God. You see, if we're ungrateful about all the good things God has given us, we, we allow bitterness to grow really well in this greenhouse of an unrepentant heart, an ungrateful heart. And God is commanding you today and commanding you for as well to enjoy the gift, even the gift of youth. God is passionate about our joy. but he's also passionate about our joy in a certain way. He says you want, he wants us to enjoy life, to, 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 to carpe diem, but in a way that honors him. 
There's boundaries you could say to the joy so that the joy can actually be fulfilled in your life. You see, if we take our lives and all the good gifts that God has given us, all the blessings that we have, and we tether those things to evil, to sin, and we spurn his good ways, well, God's judgment will be upon us. He has every right to judge us. When we take his good gift of life and we twist it and turn it and corrupt it by our sinful passions, that will be judged. Of course it will. We need to get real here. Are we enjoying God's good gifts? but not tethering them to the things that are evil. One of the ways that you know whether you're tethering God's good gifts to an evil pattern or an evil way is that you, are, that you don't have a clear conscience. If your conscience is not clear when you're serving the Lord because you're not serving him, but you have this guilty conscience because of sexual impurity or whatever sin that you've committed, you know that you've taken something good from God and you have defiled it. So enjoy life. Enjoy the freedom that God has given you. It's not, a, it's not a license to sin. We, here's a reality check, and I'll move on to the next point just briefly after this. We enjoy God's good gifts within the boundaries of his holy will. And there is much joy there, as we can confess. That's reality check number one. Are you enjoying God's good gifts today? Here's reality check number two. Are you remembering your creator in the days of your youth? That's a reality check. Let me tell you what it means and why I think he's saying what he's saying here. It means this, simply this. Are you remembering means are you meditating upon? Are you obeying the one who has fashioned you, who has created you, who is in covenant with you, and the one you are professing today. Are you remembering him in an active way? Because you have to understand the battle of the ages. The battle of the ages is to kind of forget God. Not kind of, but really forget him. And there's a number of ways that we do this. And I just want to address two just very briefly with you. Two ways that as a youth, possibly, and I want to focus on the youth, partly because of the profession of faith here, that, that we kind of forget about God. The first way is this. We are just indifferent. Indifferent to him. You see, youth and youthful passions, the passions of the flesh, as we grow up into our teen years, can become so intoxicating that it blinds our hearts from Christ and makes Christ look boring. You ever have that? He's no fun. Remember being that age, and I would thought Christ was a kind of a fun stopper. He was a he threw water on all our fun. But there's a not that I didn't like Christ, not that I didn't want to serve. I mean, I just was indifferent to his demands and what he desired of me. Remember your creator in the days of your youth because the days of your youth can be so intoxicating that Christ becomes boring and your hope in God is reduced to very little. Some youth don't have the problem with indifference, though maybe connected. Some youth say, well, I will remember my creator in a later day. I believe that Jesus or God through Christ created this universe. That's a really good thing. I believe that his word is true. That's a really good thing. But I'm just going to put that on hold for a little while. What I want to do right now, though they don't articulate this, what you want to do right now is sow those wild oats. 
to live it out, to experience life. That's not what Solomon's saying. And the number one person that you need to follow, young people, listen to me, is not your friends who believe that this is the way to go or some parents who say, my son's just sowing his wild oats. No, those aren't the people you want to listen to. No, the people you want, the person you want to listen to is Jesus Christ. He did not sow any wild oats. At 12, he grew up in obedience to his parents and to the will of his father. And God blessed him. That's the only example in scripture for the perfect example of a youth. He's our example. I remember working as a missionary in Papua New Guinea, and, and, and the youth had, you know, all the distractions that you have here, alcoholism, drug abuse, you know, party spirit, all that kind of stuff that kind of just seems to intoxicate our hearts. And, and I would meet these young people. I would know their parents. And I would talk to them, and they say to me, Pastor Ian, buy me tiny bell, and I'll come back a little too. They say, Pastor Ian, I, I will repent, and I will come back to worship someday. And I say, no, 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 no. Today is the day of salvation. You do not want to delay. And some of them would delay. And I would bury them because they would die from the things that they were doing. And I don't know if they remembered the creator before they died. And it just absolutely broke our hearts. That's the sin of delay. See, your friends, and I think as a youth, you forget this. And it's very easy to forget this. That you are mortal, not immortal. Isaiah 40 verse 30 says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. So don't put your strength in your youthful vigor. Don't put your strength in your passions. Guard, guard your heart because your days are numbered. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. It's a good place to start. And then, and then what the teacher does to help us drive home this point to our younger generation, to you people listening to me right now, what he does is something very stark. He creates this path right in front of you, the path to the grave. It's, it's, it's harsh. I get that. But it's like a trailer to the movie. You watch the trailer and you're like, okay, that's how the movie's going to go. Young people, this is a trailer to your own movie, to your own life, if God gives you life longer than into your twilight years. He, he, he says these things. He, he begins in, in verse two, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. That's the twilight years of your life. This is a picture of aging. This is the picture of, of pain that doesn't go away after you wake up. You know, one of the proofs that you're getting older is that it just takes so long to recover. As a young man, you would just recover, or a young woman, you just recover the next day. But as you get older, some of that pain just stays with you. Or the suffering, you just don't bounce back. And what he does then, he just creates this beautiful met metaphor. It's one of the most poignant, some of the most poignant poetry in scripture around this death process. He says in verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble. That's when you get older and your legs can't hold the body up anymore. And the strong men bow down. That's when your back begins, your spine begins to be curved. And it's called scoliosis. And it just starts to curve and you cannot make it go straight again. When the windows are dim, those are your eyes that can no longer see like they used to. 
When the doors are shut in the street, those are your lips. They have trouble speaking or they're able not, not even able to speak anymore. Maybe the mind is gone. One rises up at the sound of the bird and all the daughters of music are, are brought low. Why? Because your hearing is also gone. And they're afraid of height and of terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms. That's, that's just as you get older. You begin to fear everything. Fear going out at winter. Fear doing this. Fear doing that. Why? Because you know your mobility and your ability to, to react to things is, is reduced. So you just stay home a lot more. And desire fails. Because man is about to go to his eternal home. And the mourners are about to go about the street. You say, Pastor, this is very depressing this afternoon. This was supposed to be a day of celebration with, for the profession of faith of these four young people. Well, this is scripture for one. But it's not meant to depress us. But it is meant to prepare us. It's a reality check. Are you remembering him before you are journeying on this well-worn path to the grave? It's so well-worn. You will not be able to escape it. Where are you remembering him? Well, you should remember him in the chambers of your heart. In the deep recesses of your heart, your heart should be spurred on by the remembrance of who he is and what he has done for you tomorrow. You know, it's been said, maybe that's why Solomon is focusing on the youth here. It's been said that your thoughts and your memories from your youth are the strongest memories or the last memories to go when your mind begins to fail. Some of the elderly may already experience this. I don't know, but this is true. If you speak to someone who's elderly, they often go back to the time of their youth. And for our Dutch grandparents or parents, often they go revert back to the language of their youth. Those are some of the most etched memories on your heart or on your mind. But here's the word for our youth to this afternoon. You are hanging up pictures on the walls of your heart that you shall have to look at when you sit down in the shadows. This is Reverend James Miller who wrote this. You are hanging, every day you are hanging up pictures as a youth, pictures in the walls and the corridors of your heart that when you grow old, you will reflect on those in the, when you sit down in the shadows. And so the word to you now, young people, is it's so important to live pure and holy lives because the reflection of those pictures may not all to be the other good, but they will always be with you. Ask any parent, ask any grandparent. Even today, you're hanging up pictures on the walls of your heart. The sins of our youth are often the most regrettable, but then they're also the most etched on the corridors of our heart. That may be the same for you as it is for me. So what's the antidote? What's the solution? He, our Savior, wants to protect your heart. Our solution is twofold. One, to remember him now. Allow his picture his holiness his will to be etched on the corners of your heart so that when you sit in the shadows those are the things that you reflect on but it also and this is the third reality check it shows our desperate need for a savior and that's for all of us youth elderly middle-aged 
You see, the teacher, what the teacher is doing is actually just stating the facts in front of us, laying the, laying the, 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 the map out right in front of us, but he's not providing an ultimate solution. He is the teacher, but compared to Christ, he is a substitute teacher. He doesn't have the full curriculum, I said this morning, and that is true. He knows that one day the golden bowl will be broken. His was. A pitcher shattered at the fountain. His was. A wheel broken at the well. He experienced that. And the dust will return to the earth it was. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. This is all vaporous. That's the end of the story, he says. That's not the end of the story, though. Not as New Testament believers. That's not the end of the story. We're going to close with this. But the question still asks then, how shall we live in view of this reality that we have to walk that path as Solomon walked? Well, we begin by remembering our creator, yes. But we need to remember something out of else about our creator that summarizes the gospel experience and brings these four to be in front of me this afternoon. We have to remember that our creator came in the person of Jesus Christ and bore our humanity. He joined us in this hevel under the sun, vaporous experience that we call life on this side of the grave. He chose to live the life that Solomon says is vanity upon vanities. That's our savior. And there we have hope. You know, maybe, just maybe, our Savior chose to die in his youth to rescue us from the sins of our youth. Maybe that's not the case, but this is the case. He did come, loved ones, to remove those pictures from our hearts that are filled with impurity, that are filled with greed, that are filled with lust, that are filled with vanity. He came to clean the corridors of our heart and to make them pure by his spotless blood. That's what we call grace. That's what we call hope. That's what we call our Savior. And that's what we read in, in John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, life in his name and only in his name. He's the only one that can clean the corridors of your heart. He's the only one who can set you free. In fact, he's the only one that can help you walk through the various chapters of your life when life goes from easy to difficult. He's the only one that can be there when vigor turns to weakness, when health turns to sickness, when light turns to darkness, and life turns to death. He's the only one who will stay the course with you. Remember that. Daily. Jesus says, if you believe in me, I'll give you life and life in abundance. Not only under the sun then, but for all eternity. Just one more quote from Russell Miller. He said, to have a peaceful and blessed ending to life, we must live with Christ. 
That's what you are choosing to do today. By the grace that God has given you, you're choosing to live with Christ through the corridors of your life, through the chapters of your life. To have a peaceful and blessed ending to life, we must live it with Christ. Such a life doesn't grow more bitter, doesn't grow with denial like our age, age confesses. No, such a life grows brighter to its close. This is the Christian experience. He says, the more earth joys fail, the nearer and more satisfying do the comforts of Christ become. And for such a life found in Christ, there is no terrors. That's comfort. That's our only hope, actually. That's why I can boldly preach what I'm preaching to four young people who are about to profess their faith. They're on the right path by God's grace, and they're on the only path. There is no other path except the path of death, and that's eternal. And so I want to encourage you, some of you who are listening, maybe online, or some of you who are here, who are entering the twilight years of your life. I want to encourage you to call out to him in your hour of suffering. To call out him into the, in the darkness of your room in those late nights when you're bearing a great burden on your mind or on your heart. To confess your sins and receive his grace of forgiveness. It's a free gift. I want you to call upon him daily. And when that time comes, because it will, call out to him in the moment of your departure if you can. Because he is with you. And as your eyes close to this world, they will open upon his face in the next. So you go in the confidence that he is the God, the Savior over life and of death. And your spirit will go back to the one who created you. And for you young, younger people amongst us, the challenge is real. The temptations are fierce. The desire to deny God is huge in, the, in, the, in sinful flesh. But I want you to rest in the confidence that he holds your future. To remember him in your present life. But not only remember him as your creator, but remember him as your savior. That's what you're professing your faith in, in the savior, Jesus Christ, who saved your souls. Surrender your days to him every day. Surrender your vitality to him, your strength to him. Because he is your only rock. He is your only comfort. He is your only hope. He is your only joy to the journeys of and the seasons of your life unto death do your part, do you part. He will then carry you to the next door, next corridor into his gates and he will meet you there. He is your only hope in life and in death. So that's reality check number three. Are you living with great expectation for your savior today and his coming tomorrow? Amen.